0: When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call
1: the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Time now for The Drive with Mark Ennis. Presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here on a Monday a college football playoff national championship Monday. We'll get into that in just a little bit uh, here as well. Uh, but Alex waited through the break, and I wanted to get right to him as we kick things off here in our number two. Alex, welcome into the drive. And I think, what's up, bud?
2: Hey, what's up, guys?
1: You know, hey, bud.
2: Uh, I, I will say one thing that that Kenny Payne is is doing for me personally. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in, he's really working on helping me drawing closer to Jesus in my sanctification process. Uh, I mean, I will say that's that's the only good thing that's coming out of this. Uh, and also he's teaching me that, uh, maybe I shouldn't want a head coach that's you know, just this great recruiter, because I mean, you look around the landscape at some of the, the players, um, that, you know, like, um, I mean, you look at Arkansas, they took all the point guards that we wanted and, uh, you know, they're not doing too hot. Um, no. And and I just I did just, some, um, I don't know. Like, I after watching that game, I don't know, because I remember that game, like, last year, they were talking so much trash. I remember one of the players, like, looked at Kenny Payne and was like, like, Kenny Payne was telling him, like, the guard him or something, and then he didn't get there late, and the player looked at Kenny Payne and was like, he's too slow coach or something like that. And that's the type yep. of game I was expecting. But the fact that they just came out and just was like, you know, like, was, I don't even know, like, they never looked rattled at all. I mean, we, I mean, it it was, and there were times, in, like, when Scott Clark got that block on that dude, I was like, man, this is, like, this is, I haven't seen him do that. He got up, like, they're going to play some good defense. But it, it just never, it really never, like, came through. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I, I was at church. I'm not going to say what church. And there was a little basketball player there. I'm not going to say who. And I, I asked him. Well, first of all, I was like, Well, thank God Kenny Payne's doing one good thing. He's pushing players closer to Jesus with a bad season like this. That's fantastic. Uh and then number two, I walked up and, and I was talking to this player and he was just sharing some things with me that I just wasn't expecting. This a lot of, he was saying that there's a lot of selfishness, which you can you can you can see it out there, but I just didn't think that because of how highly Kenny Payne talks about, you know, players with you know, character and unselfish players and stuff like that. But he was just saying that, you know, there, there's a lot of selfishness on the team. There's a lot of guys that just want to do their own thing. And, and I don't, and Kenny Payne says all the time, like after talking to him, after talking to this player, Kenny Payne says all the time, I haven't lost these players. These players haven't given up. This player didn't say they have given up, but they definitely are doing their own thing out there. And after knowing that, like it's, it's really tough. Like if it, it's, there's no way Josh Hurd doesn't know that. And and I really hope that we don't if we have to suffer through this a whole year. I mean it is what it is. Even if it's not like if Kenny Payne leaves, all of a sudden we're gonna win, you know, fifteen games in a row and go to the and go to the NCAA tournament. Like none of that's gonna happen, but God dog, it sure would be nice to get a coach in here that can just start. Like we don't have anybody lined up in the twenty twenty four class. And it and that that's insane. Like it hasn't been like that since 2018, when uh, when uh, Coach Rick Pitino got fired, got so let go. Whatever happened with them. Um, but yeah, man, I I'm just really looking forward to just moving past this, guys. But I'll go back to listening. Thank you, guys.
1: Appreciate uh, the call there, Alex. Yeah, look, I, I, the the recriminations and the the you know the it can't look. This can't be fun for players. They can't possibly be enjoying this.
3: Uh, and they're not stupid. You know right. what I mean? Like, they're not like they might like Kenny, but I mean, they can't possibly like they know what good coaching is. Most of them do, even at age 18 or 19. You know, like that's, and when you go out there and you're getting rattled every week, you know, just getting curb stomped, like at some point you look around and go, Ugh. I don't know. I mean, because they don't all want to believe it's them. Just like Kenny doesn't want to believe it's him. Sure. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you gotta point the finger somewhere. They gotta know that it, they're 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 not being coached well. But I mean I I truly believe and and I think it I was talking to I think I might have mentioned this the other day. I was talking to Matt McGavick, uh core side. I know, I don't know why either. Uh
1: but <laughs> You just name dropped Matt McGavick.
3: I love that guy. It's not a name drop really, it's more like a uh, kind of like hesitantly brought up the fact that we're actually friends you like know it's like up, i don't really, really want a lot of people yeah, to know that. Clean <laughs> that You were talking about <laughs> <laughs> <talking to him. laughs> um, he's our buddy uh but he um he was like you know it would be weird to wait till the end of the year because i mean the buyout doesn't drop till march 31st so we're our season will be done a couple weeks before that and you're telling me that we'll wait until April 1st, right before the Final yeah. Four. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't make any sense to wait that I long. I don't think that they are waiting for that date
1: that makes the buyout cheaper. I don't believe that. Oh, I don't either because you, I'm on record for saying it's he's not going to last too late. through January. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't happen. Know about that, but, like, it's too late. That date would be way too late because, you know, with the transfer portal opening and, and Louisville's going to need massive overhauls. Transfer
3: right? portal open, coaches, agents starting to do a little work, you know, at midway through the season. Yeah. Like all those things, you want a head start. Like we're not waiting till till the end of the season. Yeah, we're I don't want Kenny ahead. trying to recruit, recruit the portal because I don't trust him at all for that. First off, and second like off, he's not going to be here next year. Yeah, it's. I think it'll happen before the end of January, even if other people don't. I certainly think it's going to happen before the end of the season. Uh, it's just going to. we're not we're not waiting till the end of the year.
1: I don't think that they're going to wait until the end of the year. Uh, I I think they.
3: Because that's one of the main counter arguments that people make is, mm. is the drop and buyout. and I just don't believe that for a second. That that's what. We're right. I don't
1: think that's true either. And, and just to equally, I'll add to that.
3: I've yet to hear
1: or see anything. And I mean anything that would indicate that this is going to be anything other than a coaching change at the end of the year. And the idea that is attempted to be floated around out there, that there might be a year three of this. There is no chance. <laughs> Barring the miraculous, in which case there would be no objection. Yeah. that That is not happening. Uh,
3: and I hope that, that anybody trying to give that life should stop. And if, I mean, we're talking miraculous. Not, he strings together a couple wins. And he, he ends the season like 10 and 20. That's not miraculous. We're talking like, he makes a serious run. And, and wins the ACC tournament or something. Makes the tournament. That's miraculous. Going 12 and 20 isn't miraculous. <laughs> like, from, from here, right, right,
1: 100%. So I wanted to play uh, this for you. Uh, Kenny is often uh, out there telling uh, folks what he tells the players yeah. and when being asked about the mistakes that are made. Uh, and I, I've said this to you, I think, on Friday. I'm, I never, I'm never encouraged by somebody who tells me what they tell people all the time especially when we're talking about something that went wrong. Well, I told them, well, okay, how'd they go, right? Yeah, uh, how'd they
3: respond? The job
1: is, your job is not to tell them that. Your job is to have a team that doesn't do that.
3: Yeah.
1: So try something else is basically what I'm trying to say here. So he was asked by Tyler, and I appreciated Tyler, kind of giving him a little bit of follow-up, because Kenny's phrase was self-imposed damages, is what he said during the game, with turnovers and mistakes, foul three-point shoot, all that stuff, which he's right and he was asked by Tyler, how much of that is yours? How much do you feel like you're sort of on the hook for that? Uh, Spencer, if we could play that clip, because I, I, re- I want you to really listen to this, because I didn't, I didn't like what I heard here.
4: Kenny, when you reference the, the self-imposed damages that you see on the court, what role do you think at all that preparation or coaching plays in any of that for you guys?
0: Um, I think when you when you're preparing a team to play a game and you're talking about this team. So we talk about when we're in the zone because obviously we can't just play one defense against good offensive teams. Then you have to talk about what could happen if you do this, if you do that. If they run this play, this is what we're doing. So we watched last year's game and we saw that they ran a wheel action against our zone. Well, to go to the point of two backdoor cuts, we talked about that. We went over it. Um, At the end of the day, self-imposed, I talked about it at nauseum. He didn't get it. The player didn't make the adjustment. It's still my fault. So I'm good with that. I can live with it. I'm going to do the same thing next game. And I'm going to do all the preparation, and I'm still going to take the blame. In this business, all the wins, kids. All the losses, me that's what this business is
1: that's not true
0: not not even a little bit that's
1: not even a little bit true and to me it's the first time i've ever felt like he blinked and sounded petty and kind of embittered at the criticism it's the first time i really felt like he sounds mad or he sounds embittered or at least was kind of being sniping at the fact that uh he gets the negatives only, and the players get the positives. It's, it is just not true, of college basketball, that players get the credit and coaches get the blame. That is, we revere college basketball coaches more than anyone yeah. else. They are all little kings. Every single one of them are queens and women's like they just they are. It's just it is not true in the least uh, that. If they were winning, the players would get the grant. He wouldn't get it. But when they lose, he gets
3: the. That is, but how would he know? Well, (laughs) I'm just saying. Like, come on, man.
1: That's also. I mean, (laughs) touche. (laughs) On that, (laughs) touche on that. But you see what I'm like. That he does. He really think that that you guys are just. It sounded like he was saying basically like I told these guys not to do this stuff, and then they do it anyway, and y'all get y'all blame me.
3: Because it's your, like, this is the thing. So, imagine, imagine. might be, is that an
1: uncharitable listen?
3: Not really. Okay. No. Like, when, imagine, I don't know, like, um, an army unit, you know, and you talk to, they do the wrong thing. You talk to the lieutenant, and he said, well, I told him to do the right thing. And they did the wrong thing. Did you order the code red? Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's your unit. You're responsible for it. The buck stops with you. That's how it works. Find another way to teach them.
1: Well, that's the. The I, message isn't getting through, man. I use the the other example that I used is if, if a student fails a test, what's up with you, student? When the class fails a test, what's up with you, teach? Yeah. Clearly, it didn't get through because across the spectrum, they all didn't get it. And that's pr- like, and intuitively we know that, from 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 what. But here, what kills me about it is like, here's his example of some sort of defensive. It's not like we ever see that happen. He's like, get out, and he's furious with them.
3: He like smiles, or like or like shakes his head or whatever. Oh no, you uh, ran like the wrong play. It, <laughs> shame shame I, on you. We'll get one scoop of ice cream, not so wait, two. Like- You're not part of the two scoops club this week. No, like this is this is what's so infuriating about this is that his idea of account it's almost like he's you know he's turning everybody saying, you know, accountability and all this stuff like it, it where is it? Like it's like he's bitter about it. You know what I mean? And it's funny because it's like he'd gotten charitable with us the last couple of weeks where a few of the games in a row He said in in response to uh, to questions in the post game presser. He said, uh, "Well, it's not all the players' fault. I got to take some of that." And you're just like, "That was nice of you." Yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's cool, cool man. That's good, Kenny. That's progress, I guess." We had a texture who suggested
1: he read Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership. I agree. Yeah, if you've ever listened to Jocko, he's a retired Navy SEAL and one of his like. He's a corporate uh, consultant now, basically, taking yeah. a lot of his leadership principles from SEALs uh service and all that sort of thing into to the business world. And one of the big ones is extreme ownership. Own it. Like it's yours. I'm responsible for that. It didn't happen, I'm responsible for that. He didn't run that play, I didn't teach him well enough. He didn't go well, he wasn't uh, he didn't make the adjustment on that backdoor cut or whatever he was just talking about. We're not teaching it good enough. Or we're going to put somebody else in there who will do it. Or he's just Jameis (laughs) Wiston.
3: Jameis. Uh, Yeah, talk about that
1: later. We we can have some fun with that. (laughs) But, like, that's – it's – there's never that from him. Yeah. And we also don't – it's like we never see the step that closes the loop. Like, I'm telling them they're not doing it. Then what? There's the third thing that needs to – you're fired is basically the third thing at this point. But well
3: his his third thing in the press conference or in that was response was, I'm gonna do it again next week. The exact I'm same keep way. telling him. Like, buddy, that's not that's not effective. He's
1: not coaching them, he's nagging
3: them. Yeah, dude Mark, this is it all goes back to that accountability part that we talked about this summer. How many times have I said that? Where I was like four and twenty-eight was bad enough and the defense and all the things that I highlighted in the first year. But what really was was the nail in the coffin? Even though I had a sneaking suspicion in the first ten games he was coached that it, this wasn't going to work out. More than a sneaking yeah. suspicion. The nail in the coffin was the way he talked about year one. Yeah, one hundred percent. The nail yeah. in the coffin. I said it a hundred times this summer. From the moment he opened his mouth about it, and basically said, "I want I, it's a clean slate." Never happened. And he literally said the words like I wouldn't if somebody asked him what he would have done different, he said, I wouldn't have done anything different. It's like, well then you, And he hasn't done anything. That's incredible different. to me. Staring failure in the face, like the ultimate failure, the worst season in U of L program history. And you're looking at it going, I wouldn't have done anything different. Just the complete lack of reflection. Of self-assessment, stubbornness, like all of those things are just and stubbornness is always
1: has arrogance marbled into it.
3: It sure does. Even if you're not like a an unpleasant arrogant person, right? There is a certain amount of it in it's baked into stubbornness, and that's that's when I I mean, and you guys heard me a hundred times in this these airwaves say it is that I that is not leadership. That is not how I was taught leadership. You know, I, I grew up in an army household. I had a pretty good example in my house. Two of them, really, with my dad and my mom, who was the leader at home. You know, you know, and and that's uh, lack of accountability was not how I was raised. And every time I try to blame somebody else for my problems, I got an earful. Yeah, I still do if yep. I if I if I venture down those paths, because that doesn't serve anybody, and you, it's certainly not leadership. I mean, I've been even when I was a manager. If somebody under me did something wrong when I was a warehouse manager, if they picked the wrong thing, if they if it got out the door that way, I weighed the order. So it's my fault if a driver didn't take the pickles. It's my fault, you know. Like this is, that's how it works. It's man, it's the buck stops here. It's Harry S. Truman. I mean, that's That's how it works. So when you look at me and you try to erase an entire season's worth of results. From our memory or from your ledger, it's not, not going to work that way, man, whether you think it's supposed to work that way or not. And I just thought the way he talked about it was kind of the ultimate, okay, this guy's not built for a leadership position. He's just not. And men's basketball coach at the University of Louisville is an extremely elite and important leadership position. You're leading young men. You're leading the, the, the flagship program of our university. It's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for people who pass the buck.
1: And so few people have been the head coach here. Like, I find myself sometimes watching them play and then listening to him talk uh, after the games, feeling um, off- not offended, because that's such a tired word. But, like, something rises up in me where I'm like, how dare you treat this job like this? And I, I don't really know that I have standing to be outraged. Uh, but it, I am. For, it's not necessarily for myself, but in particular for, like, good people who went to the mat for him yeah. to get this job or to to keep this job after last year. And he's not repaid them with anything. Like, in the least. What? That's what bothers me the most. It, it, it's just this idea of, like, there are people who went to the map for you to get this opportunity. And you got this opportunity. And for all of the talk about what this means to you, it's it, you're not a good steward
3: of this thing at all. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, like, and and we said this. Last month, after one of the losses, it certainly doesn't feel like he's fighting with everything he's got for this. Right? That's what it feels like to me.
1: It do- you're saying it does not feel like it. Does it does it. not feel Yes.
3: Like
1: it. I, a million percent. Just like uh, if, like you and I can both say here with a straight face and sincerely, like injuries are obviously a problem now. Yeah. There's, there's no question injuries are a problem. We were fully healthy against Kentucky Wesleyan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One, there have been fully healthy rosters who were even more embarrassing at times. But two, can you say in your heart of hearts, like with certainty, that you watched them play against Pitt knowing that JJ got hurt in practice the day before, uh, that knowing they would be shorthanded, where they'd be shorthanded, that they had this really, really good game plan for what they were going to do in light of just how shorthanded they are, and that they went out there and and had this clever – Here's how we're going to overcompensate for it. And if you don't know what I'm talking, like, if you want a good example, Chris Mack played a whole year where Louisville just missed the tournament with a guy out of position. Injuries badly hampered Louisville at center in the COVID year. And Jalen Withers played out of position at center all year. But you knew that. Here's the game plan. Here's what we're going to do in light of this. No excuses. And then when they didn't make the tournament, assistants still got fired and everything else after it. But the point is, like, you could tell, here's the game plan. Here's the strategy with, with, with these guys not in there. You can't tell me you watched that game against Pitt thinking, like, they're trying to do something to make up for that. It was just like, now y'all go out there and do what we do. Poor Zan Payne. He didn't ask for any of this.
3: I know. That's what I had. <laughs> I've kept his name People completely. People get the man, when he goes in the game. I've Pitt. kept his name it completely real bad. out of my mouth this year because I feel like it like, last year, I, I yelled when Zan yeah. went in the games. And then by the end of the year, I was like, it's not his fault. And I, I'm i not yelling at him. I'm yelling at Kenny in the situation. I'm like, please right. stop putting him right. out there. We're mad at you about this, not him. Yeah. Stop doing this. I did think. So I stopped but just because it promotes, you know what I mean, like sure. the wrong – just.
0: Well, I've Poor never Zan, been like, –
1: right. I, I don't want any – don't boo him. Don't boo – I don't believe in booing the players. You can say like I'm booing right the coaches here. and not the players, but they can't tell. They can't tell. It all sounds the same. But, but then the announcer's calling him Alexander Payne. I'm like, we know who that is. Yeah. You stop it.
3: Alex- <laughs> yeah, I forget Alexander his, Payne. I forget his real name's Alexander. Whenever <laughs> <laughs> they say that. Yeah.
1: Let's get uh, Keith in here. Keith, welcome into the drive on thought What's up, buddy?
4: Hey, guys. I haven't called for a while. It's kind of depressing, so it's been a while. This Kenny Payne thing is my nightmare come true. I wasn't for the hire because of his lack of experience in the program he was trained under. And I knew it was going to go off the rails, but not this far. And I knew it was going to be a nightmare once it did. But, you know, you're talking about accountability in the military, having been one of those guys. Fine example. But we have one very close to home, one Rick Pitino and Tom Jerk. Rick Pitino, I do not think he knew anything about that stripper gate or most of anything was going on, but he ultimately is responsible because it was ultimately his program and make sure it stayed clean. And Tom went because he supported him too much. So that right there is accountability and what you do when you don't do things right. And and Kenny is stubborn and egotistical, and that will be his and has been his demise because you can run the perfect mission, and I guarantee you in the after-action review you will still find something that needs to be corrected so you cannot tell me in a program that went and only won four games there wasn't something that he couldn't point out that he could have done better and that program could have done better And, and and that's just pure lack of responsibility and egotistical individual in my opinion anyway i think he's pretty much proven that but it's just frustrating as all to me i never thought i'd see this in my lifetime Louisville program like it is today it's just unbelievable unbelievable and the people that defend him it's just unbelievable. He's maybe a great guy and I'm sure he is off the court or away from the program but he is not the right guy for our program and he has proven it time and time again so on and off so that's my two cents.
1: Appreciate Yep, uh, Keith I appreciate uh, the call
3: Uh, You dropped the after action report there man. Texas says we fired up the vets That's right
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what all of you the, the gaslighting, like it, this is where the fury comes from. the The being like like I really I, I was very, very much bothered by that answer that we just played, yeah because it felt like he it was almost like the tights thing where it's like I, he the point of that story was for everyone to know he told them not to do that stuff, so that if they're doing it, it's their fault. And that might be kind of true. But if he's has the impulse to tell people that, he's not the guy. Like the, it's the behaviors and the the needs uh, to to justify instead of recognizing the problem. Like he's thinking that that helps, and I think maybe that's the thing that should worry everyone, worry him the most is maybe how badly he's kind of misjudged. What's gonna help? Yeah. And what's gonna work in either the way you talk about a situation or the Karan Davis thing, you know, or, or any of that stuff. That not realizing the, the right message, like it's not a very big leap for people to make that he can't give us the right message. To he can't give them the right message. Yeah, he's not good at messaging. Those period. things are they're not unrelated, right? No, no, no. You're all a, all, a all a coach is is a messenger. Yeah, they don't go play messenger and a teacher. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, which so if you can't communicate messages. to us, and not only can't do that, but but don't know the right things to say or don't know what the real problem is and you can't and you can't articulate any of that to us well how do? that
3: what's practice like yeah he's not wordsmith there or dr phil there is he and we don't right and we don't even have to jump out of sports for a great example in town i mean what did jeff brahms sound like after the season all he talked about after wins, and after the entire season was over, was the things he did wrong and what he could do better. Yeah. Did he divorce himself from the from the defeat at Pitt, or did he own it? You know. And I hate to keep comparing him, but they're both their situations are similar. You know, <laughs> like, it's tough when you have a first year coach who's they're relevant to one. Another. They're relevant. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And like the, you have a coach who who owns it and is always self reflective. He does all the things that we're saying he doesn't do. Like, he, he's constantly assessing himself and his co- coaching staff and what they need to do and what they don't need to do and what does he have right now but the number one class in the portal. At very least, the number four class. Like, it's top five, no matter who's rating it.
1: Yeah, over the weekend, uh, during the game, it was more fun to check Twitter yeah. for Brady Brom tweets.
3: Because we got five commits in during one day. The game. Yeah, and half of them, or three of them, were during the game, I think. It was just... It's absurd, you know. Every day we get, we get, we get another recruit, and I just want basketball to be fun. I want men's basketball to be fun again. Yeah, no, it was fun seeing like guys like McGavick and someone and like others just tweeting out like articles with like, oh, player X has just committed to U of L. Like, great, our football team is gonna be very good next year. Flip back to the CW. Oh, this game is going south.
1: All right, let's take a break,
3: and when we come back,
1: we can talk about that. Uh, Jeff Brom's uh, no bad, terribly good weekend, uh, <laughs> hosting, uh, I tried to say the reverse of, you know, I know, they, I know you did, I, it, just,
3: it was, it was fine.
1: Eh. It, it was did. better than Joe Coy last night. Right.
3: Oh, I, I didn't watch the golden globes. All I saw was the reactions to him and I like Joe Coy. He's a funny. I like dude. him a lot. Like, he's a really funny guy. Yeah. And I think he's really hurt by the fact that he didn't do good. Like I saw his quotes today and he was just like, man, it just kind of fell flat. And it's sad to me because I really wanted to do a good job. I didn't think the Taylor Swift joke was funny, but I also didn't think it was that offensive. I just think it was one. It wasn't offensive, right? Right. Like He was making fun of the NFL, but like her reaction was what everybody was grabbing onto, and I was like, "Uh, I mean, I don't think that was bad. It just wasn't funny. I guess it was probably just a a succession of that all night. Is that what I'm getting? Sorry, Joe Coy. Yeah, not
1: great. Mm. All right, let's take a uh, quick break here, and we'll come back. We'll talk about what is great. Which is Louisville reloading that football roster for another run at this thing next year. We'll talk about that on the other side here on the drive when I thunderbolt.
0: Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go to liquor store.
4: Tired of jumping from job to job?
0: You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right
3: here on 939 The Ville. Now, here's Mark
1: Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. We'll go back into the drive here on 939 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here on a Monday. 8150 939 is the number if you want to jump in. 3831939
3: for the uh, UPS Shop Sex Line. As good as the regular season is, there's nothing like NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games, three days. For these teams, it's win or go home. But you'll always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a W. Like this weekend, you know who I, how I am. It's going to be a parlay. I'll probably parlay all six games. Uh, that's just how I am. If you wanna, f- if you wanna follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. New customers get started with $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com/biscuit to join today. That's FanDuel.com/biscuit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and over and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. first first deposit required. Bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. We mentioned uh, before
1: we took the break
3: that uh, for as bad
1: as uh, the football or basketball game was over the men's basketball game over the weekend, uh, it was very good for Louisville football. Uh, as active as they have been now in the portal, uh, <coughs> receiving a ton of commitments uh, over the weekend. I think five during the game. Definitely five on Saturday period. Yeah. yeah for uh, sure. Starting with anytime, time I feel like you can get what people call a fat running back, it makes mm. me happy. We love big running backs here. We love them. Michael Bush, baby. Yes, we love them. Uh, as wide as they are tall, right? right. We look, we love those guys here. That was wide. That's what I said. Yeah, wide, yeah. That's, Not- That's very funny. That would be a very different thing. That's right. <laughs> as uh, stout as they are <laughs> tall. Uh, and, and he is that. I'm very excited about that part uh, and then, look, Louisville needing another receiver. Here's where I think you're going to have to kind of trust your coaches, or at least hope that they're they're on to something uh, with Antonio Meeks, this kid from Tuskegee. So we're talking Division II football yeah. uh, as that that they need one more wide receiver. I think in the portal, probably we're still holding out for Jalen Lucas, uh, who unfortunately is going to end up at Florida State. Uh, but they committed, did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So like, you're going to they take up uh, Meeks instead. We'll see. I think Louisville fans should not be quick to doubt whether some of these things translate one because I think Jeff and this offense deserve, I think, a, yeah. some of that benefit of the doubt. But we've seen guys make these leaps a lot here. Louisville has been one of the first places that's taken some chances on some guys making a big jump up in competition with transfers, and they've done well. Yeah, Jamar yeah. Thrash being one of them.
3: Yeah, so I lo- I watched some of his highlights and obviously that doesn't tell you the whole story but i like the way he breaks out of routes i like the way he moves good size um, six yeah two. good size and i think that he has the tools to thrive in this offense and he's also probably not going to be asked to be the number one with who else we brought in colin Lacey, jacori brooks i mean these are guys that Colin Lacey's is uber productive he was more productive at south alabama than jamari thrash was at uh, georgia state is that right wasn't yeah and and Jagori Brooks, we know what kind of a talent he is. I mean, he led Alabama in receiving touchdowns the year before last. He was hurt this past season. Uh, but he's a big-body, talented, explosive receiver uh, who has all the tools to be a number one. And we do have a lot of bodies coming back in that room too. I mean, at this point, Jaden Thompson, um, Jimmy Calloway, Chris Bell, um, Tataris Hicks, like we got a lot of guys that are coming back and could potentially be – Big time pieces of this past and JoJo Stone coming in. JoJo Stone, yeah, I mean that's one that that I mean wildly talented receiver that we've got coming in that could be a, an impact guy as a freshman. So
1: are we uh, with the with Tanner Cozio the mm. going back uh, instead of uh, coming here? I at done tight already end, forgot about him, Mark. Well, are we saying <laughs> here? Um, is your expectation that that Isaiah Cummings is a tight end?
3: I think that he 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 fills that tight end slash H back type role. Where he may not always be lined up as a traditional tight end, but he's gonna be lined up sometimes as a tight end, maybe in two tight sets, where uh, like a uh, Cole Hikutini kind of tight end, exactly, or a Marshawn Ford. Honestly, I mean he, he kind of was built similarly. Um, those types that aren't necessarily big bruising, uh, they could block, but not big bruising blockers. You know, they're more of a of a receiving hybrid role. You know, and and I. I expect him to play that, that tweener role, you know, H-back to tight end to, in, to maybe, maybe splitting out at receiver as well at times, depending on the formation. Then you add
1: uh, Day McCullough, who's a, a four-star kid out of high school in last year's recruiting class yeah. transferring in uh, from Oklahoma. We'll see uh, about those.
0: Uh,
1: I feel like those, like the highly rated kid in last year's class who washes out somewhere. I feel like those don't always work out great for us.
3: Yeah, it, it can be a, a mixed bag. Um, I mean, that was and they're not always washed outs. Like Coleman was a was a highly rated kid out of out of high school, and he came here after Dion after Dion left for Colorado, right? And he was all right, you know, this year. And I thought he he was a decent receiver. They just couldn't couldn't hold on to the ball, yeah, like, which I is a problem. Which is a real big problem when they receive like he had all the tools running the routes you know he came out of the breaks he 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 got a lot of targets early in the season had speed just couldn't couldn't do that last thing half the time which is put a ball a hand on each side of the ball (laughs) and bring it in Um, but yeah I mean that can be a mixed bag you know sometimes they're they're misrated out of high school sometimes they don't have the work ethic, and sometimes it's just not a good fit, or they are buried on the depth chart. I mean, you're going to get a lot of that in modern in modern football with the uh, the transfer portal the way it is. Then you add to it uh, today Wesley Walker, a
1: Tennessee transfer uh, at safety, coming in uh, and committing to Louisville, and the uh, the expectation from uh, from on three and others uh, that Louisville is about to flip. Uh, another Tennessee transfer who was going to Ole Miss, who's putting together the mother of all uh, transfer classes, Uh, Tamario McDonald, he's now expecting him to come to Louisville uh, instead. So that's a pair of Tennessee safeties uh, coming in here. And I can tell you, I spoke with someone down there uh, at Tennessee. Tennessee basically, like, liked both of those guys and wanted them back. Mm -hmm. But both those guys just wanted more NIL. (laughs) They wanted a better NIL opportunity. Come on up. Uh, And this is where Louisville is able, I think – to take advantage of that. Why does sort of that
3: thing? What does that tell you though? We can offer a better NIL package for them than Tennessee could. SEC just that means, means more. Working. Apparently. It just means more down in Knoxville, right? Um, but yeah, when you're talking about the defensive backfield, we have Blake Ruffin coming in. I mean, obviously former Trinity star. Um, we had Day McCullough, uh, Corey Thornton, um Wesley Walker, obviously today, Jalen Kimber, um, which gotta keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Right now, um, but that's a lot of DBs, and we talked about that being in a position where they probably want to shore up. Uh, and then Quincy Riley still out there, still out there, and possibly returning would be huge. And then you talk about a defensive line with Thor Griffith coming in, with Ashton Gelati coming back. Just, I love what they're doing in the transfer portal. I love it. They brought in five offensive linemen again, uh, and they keep they keep stacking. That's the thing. Like. People, I, I, am conditioned. This is only our second off season with Jeff Brom, and really his first one that he's, you know, well, man, it's his second off season, but first one coming off his own year, and I, I'm just already conditioned not to worry about positions of need, you know, yeah. on on the team because I know he's going to address them. You know, he goes out and gets Rasheed Miller at offensive tackle, um, Pete Nigra. Uh, we had Ruben. Is it Unaje? Yeah, I mean, what are you for? The third Houston offensive lineman yeah. we got in two years. Uh, Monroe Mills was a huge get from Texas Tech. Uh, Victor Cutler from uh, Ohio State. Um, and then Jonathan Mendoza from Yale. And, and most of them are massive. Mendoza's 6'9", like 3'15". Yeah. Uh, Monroe Mills is, I think, 6'7". Uh, size is not an issue on the offensive line right now. It's just not, and those are the type of players that clearly Jeff is in love with. I mean, I saw a, a random Kentucky account going through our, our – uh, I think it was one of the blog's uh, uh, projection. I think it was maybe State of Louisville projection of our of our depth chart next year. And this was before half the offensive line transfers had come in, and he was looking at it going, "Well, the center's like 290 and the guard's – 295. I mean, how are they going to block? Well, and I was like, ten. Eh. come on. First of all, a 6'4, 295 center is not undersized in college football. That's true. And second, we are not done yet. <laughs> and any should... projections from three weeks ago aren't going to be relevant three weeks from now. Yeah. And there's still another uh, portal window after
1: spring uh, as well. So, right. that, like, they're not even done here. If they don't Uh, like what they have in spring, guess what they'll do? Right, but go out and get more bodies. It's pretty clear. Like he has no interest in in. uh, Louisville is trying to be a program that doesn't ride. These waves, like we're not going. There's no. It's time to reload where we need to reload, to instead of these life cycles that that every non-blue blood has to live. Don't have to now. Don't
3: have to anymore. Yeah, that's the transfer. He's not interested
1: in that. And I am in favor of that.
3: Well, there's no reason to because quite frankly, every year if you if you just depend on traditional roster building, you're screwed because you're gonna have transfers out every single season. Yeah. So you might as well there's no reason to spare anybody's feelings. Everybody understands what it is, as long as you are as long as you are up front with there's your nothing, players. There's no reason to stay together. Right. If you're up front with players and say, Look, you know, we love you and we want to work with you and get you to the next level, but if you're not a fit or if you feel like you need to move on, you can. If you if you are worried about competition, then this might not be the place for you. Like, you just have to be up front with kids because clearly, even if we look solid at a position, he will go into the transfer portal and get somebody else to compete with you. And you have to because at any moment, you can lose three or four guys in the transfer portal. Yeah. Post-spring, we lost... Uh, we lost two receivers. Who were we had two a couple of years ago? It was uh, Jordan. Uh, I'm having Watkins. A Jordan Watkins. Thank Tyler you, Tyler Harrell. Thank you. I can't. Whenever when I when I bring in like twenty names in the transfer portal, when I just when I just read through them all, I can't keep Jordan Watkins in my head. Just can't do it. You know that that stuff happens. You can't assume that your roster is staying intact and just rest on your laurels. You have to continuously be upgrading. Period. That's how. A uh, an, aspir- an aspirational program, a riser like Louisville can become a contender overnight and can stay a contender year to year, but the coaches have to work. They have to constantly work on their roster.
1: Let's get uh, Reggie in here. Reggie, welcome into the driving of What's up, bud?
5: How y'all fellas doing today? Hey, buddy. How are you? Uh, I'm calling in, man. I know my boy Harold called in a couple calls back, man and he said that the kids that left here, the players that left Louisville basketball is doing good at other places, which I think they're not. But when, I'm not going to hold that against, you know, I'm, I am going to hold that against Kenny Payne because we have more talent this year on the team, and it still looks the same. So that's where I am going to hold this. It still looks horrible. He needs to go. I'm going to say that. But the players that left are not doing good at the other places they're at. That's just me personally.
3: You know, in uh Oh, they're not. They're not. I think you're right about that. They're not. The only, That's what I was saying. Uh, sorry, I'll let you fish. But that's what I was saying when I said, uh, ironically, the only two... And it was actually three because Matt Cross, too. But Matt Cross, uh, Dre Davis, and Tay Davis were the ones that were doing well. And those were the ones that left before Kenny's first year. Before, yeah, before <laughs> yeah.
5: Kenny's first year. We can't, we can't yeah. include them in because they didn't play with KP.
3: But the right. No, say, I agree. I agree. Oh, yeah.
5: so, and I, I... I understand, like, he... Any Payne Messed up. You should have used the transfer reporter. You should have said we can get the transfer reporter. because right now we have nobody that's we're even looking at besides uh, T.J. Robinson. That's the point. That's the only kid that's committed to us right now, and he's not even saying. So, uh, yep. Man, it's just oh, man, I hate when basketball's down because I just don't feel good at all. Like it's like now we're just trying to talk about football, but football's not playing and basketball's playing, but we don't want to talk about basketball because we suck. <laughs> like. I don't know, man. I, I do agree that AP does have to go. I don't think he's going to get a year three. I've been hearing he's going to get a year three, but I don't think he I don't think I shouldn't say it. I don't think he deserves a year three. We just need to move on and do what we do just to get this program back where it is. Y'all, fellas, have a good day.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Right. It's always good uh, to hear from you. Yeah, look, I've no one that I think knows what's going on. Thinks is going to be a year three. Yeah. Um. And really, everyone I know who has some insight into how things are going to go thinks that it's like that it's even an open question. Like it's over now. They just haven't signed the papers yet. And I'm far more inclined. Like, I don't think this is an open question. And in fact, I'll just say it like if Josh is. If this is open for Josh, even though he hasn't done anything necessarily because of whatever he thinks the better options are or if he got overruled or whatever the story might be, uh, if, if it's an open question for him, I would be worried. I don't think it is because I think at this point like he should be doing the work on the next guy already.
3: Oh, I think he is. Yeah, There's not an AD worth their salt that doesn't have the proverbial five names in the drawer like Tom Jurich used to have. Not to bring his name up, but that's that's sure. just a standard practice for anybody, in my opinion, that they have their list of people that they want, and, you know, that doesn't stop there. That doesn't mean they're not going to do their, their research and have an open search, but they're always looking at who could be a possible fit because nothing's guaranteed for the next year. I mean, Kentucky, if it's Barnhart smart, he has a list of five guys that he's going to go after if Perry decides to move on, you know same with anybody that's been in school for 15 years 81 50 93, 90. yeah as far as like the players
1: going uh, other places and stuff uh and and whether they're doing well i there's so many other factors that that play into that it was never going to be like a great litmus test uh, i but it, it felt to me like maybe one of the big warning signs uh, about this year uh is the fact that like look where these guys went you know, Fabio. Some people try to like sell us on him being like Magic Johnson or something, uh, and he's at UT Arlington. And, and Devin Ree plays about eight minutes a game at Louisiana Tech.
3: Sidney Curry averages four and a half points at Grand Canyon.
1: I don't. Even, Last time I heard about him, I don't John think Roosevelt Rothstein. Wheeler does anything at VCU. VCU. No, he doesn't. Wheeler right.
3: doesn't do anything. He's a witness protection at VCU. <laughs> Uh, Kamari Land started strong this year and, and fell off a cliff, really. L. Ellis had a few good moments at Arkansas, but he declined with the rest of the team. Uh, he's their, like, eighth option at guard. That's not true. But he's, like, their their fifth or sixth guard, which I said, by the way, I said when he transferred there, I said, I don't think he's going to see the floor that much with the rest of those guys out there. That's what I told my buddy, Luke, who's a big Arkansas fan. I said, he was like, I got L. Ellis. And I was like, man, do you see the rest of the guys you signed? Like, I don't know if L. Ellis is going to be able to hang it's the truth, because you have to play on both ends of the court. Um, like I said earlier, Jalen Withers is a role player at UNC that started a little bit, um, which is good for him. Um, and that's that's about where it is. But the guys that are thriving are the ones that transferred out before before uh, Kenny's first season with Matt Cross and Dre Davis uh, and Tay Davis decommitting, you know, and initially going to Seton Hall with his brother and then transferring to Notre Dame. So we'll see him. We'll see him this year.
1: Did want to mention we got the uh, the College Football Hall of Fame class that was just announced uh, for this year. Uh, not Tim Couch, uh, I guess locally uh, relevant there. Uh, it all just makes me mad when coaches make it, and Howard Schellenberger and Mike Leach can't make it in.
3: Who who made it this time? Frank
1: Solich, which, which, Mark D'Antonio. I'm like okay. <laughs> sure yeah right yeah sure right when i think great, really impact when i think of the
3: great coaches in the history of college football i i think mark Dantonio <laughs> before howard i definitely think frank solich well, he had a nice resurgence at ohio that was good alex Probably. smith going in the players obviously who i'm sorry alex smith oh nice yeah.
1: julius peppers yeah absolutely. awesome
3: i love julius peppers
1: I mean, look—it's a fantastic ever, group
3: of players. Did you watch him? Did you ever see him set a screen at UNC? Oh, what a nightmare!
1: <laughs> just a, I just—I always thought he was one of those guys. He just looked like a god, like yeah. a, like a, just an Adonis. He's an Adonis. These guys—I remember uh, as a kid, Florida had Kevin Carter. He played a long time for uh, in the NFL too. Mm. Uh, you know, two eighty-five. With like a 34 inch waist, yeah. You know, <laughs> just nightmares. I can't imagine having to try to block any of these guys. I mean, Peppers was just the the perfect defensive
3: end and perfect college power forward. It was yeah, ridiculous. Him, I mean, Ronald Curry was a two two sports star. They played together at UNC.
4: They had some teammates
3: at two different teams. It's wow. wild.
1: They had some dudes for sure.
3: Yeah. Was, I mean? I guess Chichester was the last two sporter we had, and then Tench before that. Yeah, I think that's – other than, like, Brian Hudson throws the shot, but, you know, that's a little bit different. But, like, two sport as far as basketball and and football, those are always fun. Like, you remember we'll, – we'll never forget Chichester, like, playing his significant men's against Kentucky. And oh, sure. Hitting that turnaround, just going, this is amazing. Where like, where'd Josh come from?
1: <laughs> we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back here. We'll talk about that national championship game tonight uh, and uh, the NFL playoff picture and – Black Monday where four coaches have already been fired. We'll talk about all of that here uh, in the 5 o'clock hour on the drive when I turn the bell. <laughs>